This is Play It Forward, a podcast where we tell sport differently. I'm Tal Carr. And I'm Laura Douglas. And for our very first series, we're talking about football, or you might call it soccer sometimes. It's football, Laura, please. The world game. Please be respectful. We'll call it football. Today, it's all about Sally Shepard, a phenomenal player for the Matildas, now retired, and a great personality. We talked to her about what it was like for her leaving the game that she loved and some of the very personal challenges that she faced along the way. Yeah, we had a great time catching up with her at home in Manly. We hope you enjoy it. Take a listen. So we're sitting here with Sally Shepard in Manly, beautiful place, Manly, drinking a glass of red wine. Mm-hmm. I think I might cheers you because that just seems like the corny thing to do right now. Cheers, Tom. Yeah, and over there to me. Cheers, Laura. And a lot of turmeric. <laughs> There is a lot of turmeric. Or in Sally's house, there is a lot of turmeric right Sally. I went to a farm up near Byron over the weekend and they were adamant that I took a kilo of turmeric home with me. I was surprised I got it through the plane. What do you do with a kilo of turmeric? Yeah, that's my question. That has got to be a job for you, Laura. (laughs) Take that one away. All right, I'm on to that one. We want to hear about how it all began for you. A Matilda at, well, 16 years of age. 62 caps, did I get that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so Wikipedia is correct. Well, right? something, yeah, I never really Around counted that. them myself, but yeah. Oh, you should, because there's conjecture on the net. Uh, well, that's probably why, because I've never been able to, like... Oh. Well, other people yeah. can't get it either. There was 57 mm. from one source and 62 from another. So we went with 62. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Two World Cups. Scored no goals. But four yeah. goals. Oh, have I? They said yeah, four. Great. But, you know, if that's wrong, that's okay. Well, We're going to go with four. Did you forget yeah. your goals? Does that happen? Does that happen when you kick a goal that you forget it? The fact that I have only scored four, you'd think I'd remember every single one of them. I sometimes get confused. I don't know if penalties in a penalty shootout are counted towards your goal tally. Oh, they So have I feel to like be. I've been robbed. I think we're going to have to check the laws of the game. We will do that later because this is very – but in my mind, they definitely have to count. They should count more because of the pressure of the occasion. Yeah, definitely. Um, They should be maybe three or four times worth. Aren't they kind of an easier get, though? Um, Oh, Laura, Laura. An easier get? Are you just trying to be the devil's advocate? Someone's got to be the only person who doesn't play elite football around here. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. And I feel like there's only you and the goalkeeper and it's sitting there for you to kick. Like, there's no one else around. There's so many other... Like, I get it. There's lots of other the complaints, yeah, but, yeah. you know... It's a 50-50 yeah. chance, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, the chance, uh, I think you're more at advantage as the kicker than the goalkeeper. But then, when you're up against career DPR in the Asian Cup, in a game that decides whether or not Australia will take out its first Asian Cup championship, you don't think it's a 50-50 chance, do you? Just no, I, I, was abs- I was 100% sure I'd get it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, so you and had conviction. Oh, as soon as you doubt yourself in a penalty, you're... I think the word there started with an F <laughs> and ended with a D. Yeah. That's it's really okay. good advice, though, for a young person about to take a, a penalty kick. Oh. Believe in the in the fact that you will get it and, and you'll make it. But it's not just that. It's the, the spot that you're aiming for. And... And often, so my, one of my best mates who still um, plays the football, Lydia Williams, I would... Did you say the football? The, the football. I love yeah, that. I've, I've distanced myself now. Um, but she, like, if as soon as a goalkeeper engages the kicker's eyes, I feel like you're 100% screwed. So it would be a matter of just walking so confidently. And so you pick your spot and you look down, step back, whistle goes... And don't engage with the keeper's eyes. Absolutely don't, not. Don't look in the eyes of the I, I wouldn't. It would almost be peripheral. 
I, I don't think I would have even looked at my spot. Okay, because they're busy trying to judge what you're going to do by yeah. your interaction with yeah. them, and you don't even give them that benefit. Yeah, so it's almost like just an awareness. But it's not nothing magical. I mean, you've practised it 100 times. And is that the critical part in that confidence level that you take to that yeah, penalty shot? Definitely. It's the preparation that you've done. Definitely. Let's let's get back to the beginning of the story. Laura diverted us to penalty shootouts. Oh, sorry, but it was interesting. It, it was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to know about little Sally. I want to know about how it all began. Yeah. Football, Wagga Wagga, talk us through it. Um, three brothers grew up in Wagga. They were the biggest influence in terms of like what I chose to do. Yeah. And we had this perfect age. And I don't know if this makes sense, but as kids, we were able to justify it. So me and my older brother were a team. And then my little brother and my oldest brother were a team because mm-hmm. our ages combined equaled the same thing. So we would always be in the backyard playing each other. A note to parents for some family planning there. Oh, make sure you have four children. Or make sure you have the ages just right so mm. that it's, it's even size. Yeah. So even in age, but <laughs> my older brother and I were way better. <laughs> <laughs> My, to the little ones. To my little brother okay. and my old, eldest brother. Uh, but we were able to continually justify it because we were the same age. Guys, we know you lose every time. Oh, Technically, I love this. we're so the same you, age. You rigged it so you would never lose. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, thanks. So that, that's where it all started again. in the backyard. So, <clears throat> Wagga has sits at about 80,000 in terms of population. You've got this perfect little breeding ground because sport's so prevalent in your your childhood. But then once I got to the level of elite or more elite sort of football, there wasn't too many kids so that I was drowned out. Mm. So I kind of like shone in this small crop of, of kids. And I think that when I was identified around 12, 13, that would have been the reason why. But then I guess I needed to eventually move away from Wagga at about 15, 16, where I couldn't develop anymore. So does that make sense? It does. So that's when you moved to Sydney? Yes. For school okay. and football. Yeah. Alan Stagic, the current Matildas coach, yes. plucked me out of the country and my family made a big choice to support that move. So... Such a huge decision for you and your family to have had to make. Your mum moving to Sydney to be with you so that you could follow your dream. You were so young then and only a baby when you first made it into the Matildas. 16 years of age. Yeah, you were my yeah, teammate. Games, I know. Little Sally, though you were taller than all of us. That's so. true. Very true. <laughs> I mean, how did you first of all find out about the Olympic Games? Because everyone remembers where they were when they got that call about the Olympics. Where were you? Um, I was walking out of class and Alan Stagic was walking up the stairs and he was like, Sal, you're going to Athens. Just like that. Oh, my God. After, <laughs> after the two-week or the four-week... T- um, we had a um, training camp. In Canberra, and then we went up to Queensland, and then Stadge was the one to tell me, which was pretty cool. So what an he and I have ride. a wonderful little, yeah, we'll, we'll always have a pretty special relationship, Stadge and I. So 16 years of age, being told on the stairwell of your school. Yeah. What did you do? Did you scream? Did you go uh, and tell your classmates to be planet cool? I was... I, I remember being told. I don't remember the emotion necessarily. Um, I, I knew that there was a lot of work ahead of me, I guess. Okay. Mm. And maybe I knew at the time that I was capable because until this day I feel like I was. 
Absolutely. Capable yeah. of being a Matilda at that level. Chosen. Yeah. yeah. Was good I, I'm interested in that. When did you know that you were really good? So at 12, I saw the Matildas play in Sydney 2000. I decided then that I wanted to be a Matilda a profound insight for a 12-year-old kid. But also what happened after that is um, the amount of time I sort of dedicated to juggling and improving my touch because the players that were older than me in the elite program in Wagga were really, really, really good at juggling. And so I made that. Which is not a clown trick. No, yeah, with the foot. So I think the lesson that I learned from juggling was like application. Through application you get better. And I recognised that pretty soon after I started you know, as a 12-year-old kid. And then there was a moment where I was kicking the soccer ball um, at the local park and all of a sudden I could kick with my left foot just through, like, oh, okay, so I kick with my right foot in that way, like long strikes, sort of like long like long-range passes. And then I got it with my left and then it, something clicked then. So it, was, it wasn't as though I was, like, a part of a team, which I haven't really given myself the chance to reflect upon that type of moment, but it was certainly training on my own, recognising that, wow, if I really do put my energy into this, then I can be really good. And being good was a big motivator. And juggling was a key in that Absolutely. I'll tell any kid to juggle. Was the Olympics or the World Cup the big one for you? Um, The Olympics were probably pretty hard to top. (laughs) So it happened too early. Because then how could you beat that? Oh, I think deep down part of me feels like my um, my form peaked at 16 as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I oh, can't peak too soon. Yeah, and I, I think the power of expectation sort of like played uh-huh. a bit on on my performance, you know, thereafter. Well, there's a freedom that comes with the lack of expectation, right? Yeah, you were definitely. this new kid on the block, you were young, oh. you were exciting, and you didn't have that weight of oh, knowing what 100%. it was about. And that's sort of why I I love keeping track of the Sammy Kerr and the Caitlin Ford <laughs> and the Emily Van Egmond of the, the game today because they were those children mm, at mm, 16. Mm. And I secretly loved when they started coming on tours with us and they would muck up. They, they were little, little shits when we were on <laughs> tour. But... But my, however old I am compared to them, I had maybe like five or six years on them. But underneath it all, I was like, guys, keep running a mark. Keep having fun. Like, be children. You, like, you've been chosen in this team as a 16-year-old. That's not on you. That's on the organisation. Behave like a child. So much pressure, Sally, on you as a 16-year-old, and no doubt it had some pretty difficult consequences. Let's talk about some of those. I mean, you've been very open about the eating disorder that you had while you were playing. Mm. When did you become aware that you did have an illness? Um, well, I can, I can kind of reflect. Um, like, it's, it's quite nostalgic for me to reflect upon the Olympic Games in Athens, but it's also, like, a pretty scary time as well because it was, like, one of the first times I ever tried to make myself sick. Mm. So it's... Yeah, and I, and I don't know if it was just, like, a lack of control and, and, and that was what was the... Um, defining or that's what added to the momentum of of that particular part of my life and and it always just has been a facet like I've Mm. I've never tried to see it as the whole complete me 
it's sort of twisted in with my football career so I still don't really know how to quite make sense of how it all began but it was somehow just intertwined with the fact that I wanted to be my best and um, for me that was being as fit as possible and a couple of other rules that I made for myself at the time. Is it somehow linked to when sport becomes less fun, when it becomes about Mm. the science of how I'm competing, how I can make myself the best athlete that I can? Do you think that might have had an impact on on you in a negative way? Yeah, things just got far too, like, specific, sport-specific for me. And um, maybe as a 16-year-old kid I wasn't able to necessarily... Yeah, handle the demands that were sort of well, I had sort of enforced upon myself. It was a very secretive thing for a long time. There was re- weight-related talk, but it wasn't directed at me. No, but to the team. But so you'd be weighed, weighed in regularly. Yeah, um, skin, skin folds tests. a lot. Let's talk yeah. about those skin fold tests because I have horrific memories of those. Yeah, like what sort of effect does that have on well, young kids? It's just unnecessary at that age. Like everyone's growing at their own like individual rate and pace and I I mean tell I'm the worst person to ask because mm. clearly it like <laughs> affected me quite negatively but um I, I just want to be able to protect that new crop now and yeah. but do we need like, them does it does it assist no I don't think performance? so I think it's an old school approach where people are just obsessed with numbers they're obsessed with getting to a certain point they're obsessed with people getting to level 12 on the beat test or making a certain you know but if you can't perform in that area but you can run all day on a football pitch mm. then like don't be so black and white i think that's so right i i think that because sports science has become such an increasing part there's like this element of that's something that they can control so at what point has sports science gone too far even injecting technology into games like like there's no chance for human error now with like whatever they're practicing now with the referees decisions VARs, yeah like that's the beauty of football and beauty of sport as well like life's um i don't know inherent lesson or sports inherent lesson is that life is fucking unfair i reckon can we go back there's something i want to ask you about yeah you went to germany i did and you played for a team that we can't pronounce by leverkusen yes yeah, so you, you how would you how would you do that Bayer Leverkusen. I mean, that's better than me. That's a pretty good plot. You've got German in you, don't you? No, I don't. (laughs) But you stayed in a walnut farm. I lived on a walnut farm. You lived on a walnut farm. It's amazing. And we had to Google how walnuts grow. Yeah, I I wasn't sure. On trees. Yeah. Well, you're in Germany. You're playing for Bayer... Bayer Leverkusen. Bayer Leverkusen. Ja. Ja. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? No. Nein. Nein. Nick Sprecher die Deutsch. Me neither. <laughs> well, you didn't learn any German while you were there. kind Deutsch. Oh, come on. You must How have learned you something. No, because all the girls wanted to learn English. I was like the head English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but where, where were you? I don't even know where Bayer Leverkusen is. In Leverkusen. And Leverkusen, Leverkusen, of course. The farm was my my house for, you know, the six or seven months that I was playing for this team and the bus stop was out the front. I didn't drive because they only had a, um, they had a manual to offer us up and I was like, I'm not driving on the other side and I'm not driving a manual. I'll catch the bus. (laughs) So I caught the bus every day to training. So I was very professional. Um, and it was actually great too, because I was on a contract with the Matildas and a contract with Bayer Leverkusen. So I was like, earning some good money for the first time in my life which was awesome and purely just focusing on football and 
walnuts hanging out <laughs> hanging out with the woman that owned the walnut farm she taught me about permaculture in her broken english we sat around having like walnut teas that she'd like um she'd dried tea yeah she'd dried really? the leaves from the season before i i'm i'm very grateful for the walnut farm though i don't think i could do sport all the time like if i if i was returned if i lived in the city or something and just going to the stadium for and playing games on a weekend and you know the stadium for training I yeah without that natural component of the the walnut farm <laughs> I wouldn't have enjoyed the experience as much as I did and it sounds like you had a really lovely connection with the lady at the walnut oh, farm Barbara Barbara I wanted yeah. to get her name Barbara her, her and I email every now and again that's lovely and her broken English is just the most entertaining thing Sally, walnuts are clearly not the only thing you're passionate about. You're an advocate for mental health, for LGBTI. There is a great picture of you sporting a Movember Mo. Uh-huh. So clearly that is a big passion. Tell me about the Mo. Oh, the Mo. It was fun. It was... Um, Huge was... distraction, sorry, I have to say. Um, I was looking at photos uh, and I'm just wondering how you got away with it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't look other than... I mean, if I was uh, playing against that, I'd be like, oh, just the Mo and there she goes. Great. So if I was the goalkeeper at that penalty shootout, I just don't... I would have lost my shit. Yeah, SH. I don't think I would have been. Something else. <laughs> Fantastic. And it grew, didn't it? Uh, well, every... <laughs> it was here and then it was there and it was there. It didn't grow, um, like, in that way because people would just draw it on every day. So, oh, okay. for example, I'd have the whole month planned ahead and you guys would have bought one day, for example, and you would determine the moustache with the pen. <laughs> wow. That's such power. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, is it no? What, what the, month is the it? Pa- the power. Again? No. The power was abused. Oh. There was one time where I had, like, two sharp lines coming out from my from my nose <laughs> and then down to my upper lip and then shot back up towards my the Could outside of my eyes. Oh, yeah. Like a and Salvador Dali. Yeah. Kind of thing. Oh, but not even. Not even. Not like even just, like, two ticks. Just two. Oh. Back to, uh, you, had to, you had to have some boundaries, Sally. Yeah. So I went to a function... And I sat at this table on this particular day and I was like, so guys, um, like after you introduce yourself, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing my Bamber. And they're like, oh my God, thank goodness. We thought they were tattoos. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Oh, on your face. Yeah, that day was horrible. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was fun. I raised a lot of, um, a lot of awareness, I guess, mm. having done that, but also had some wonderful contributors to... Um, buying the days, especially when there would be matches. Um, it's incredibly brave, Sally. Brave, I don't think so. It was pretty hilarious. I think um, it was something that I could contribute towards that was maybe a little bit quirky and it suited me just fine. Very quirky. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I 100% believe that football is a wonderful vessel for conveying... Um, Important messages. Yeah, I mean, you said you sort of said that, didn't you? Well, I quoted you actually, <laughs> yeah. Sally. Yeah. I took your words. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Use them, use them, use them. So, what are those other things now that you're focusing on? Yeah. So I marry people. I love that. Marry yeah. us, Sally. Marry us, Sally. And holy moly, this job fills me up. It is the most fulfilling role I think I've ever like been involved with and it's not the institution of marriage that is my motivation it's it's supporting this couple it's it's incredible for me to share that particular moment with them where Mm. they're making that commitment like however that commitment looks I feel like most relationships are very very unique and um 
and yeah I I would I would compare um the feeling to that of of like after that that beautiful natural high that you would get from from playing football or yeah. from being in the moment being in the zone and then that what what then eventuates wow that's a direct connection that adrenaline rush that you get uh, when you yeah. play football to yeah. the highest level and then when mm. you marry people so on that I was so so since retiring there's been a lot of like delving in which I'm so up for like I think that there's so much of our internal selves that we need to make sense of and maybe the eating disorder was a catalyst for me to be more curious and I wouldn't change a thing with how my health has sort of like evolved in my experiences over the years because I wouldn't be asking the questions that I'm asking and I said to my therapist um, a couple of years ago after retiring I said Sarah my biggest fear is that I won't be able to feel that natural high football provided me with that high and she's like, oh, but Sal, you created that natural high. Football was just the vessel. The catalyst. Yeah. It was reassuring for me at the time, but it took me a little while to find what else it could be that would fill me up um, and, and have that, that, that experience. And, and then to um, complement my love story sharing, which <laughs> can sicken people, um, including myself sometimes, it's it's um, coupled nicely with an apprentice in in carpentry. It's being present while you're using a saw. Oh. <laughs> this could this wow. could eat my hand. A, I need to be in the moment. Tool. All the involved. Tools. I wish yeah. this wasn't just audio right now because your expression just then was priceless. Oh, the excitement on your face. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I feel I feel like I'm myself again, like like a 16 year old kid. It's weird. That's, That's fantastic. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Sally the Carpenter yeah. and Maria Sally. I want to know if I came to Maria Sally, what would I be in for? Uh, mates' rates. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the Mowage Act, as you do, you know, when you're walking from Manly to, you know, Sally's house. Mm. And we were talking about that provision that I can't remember. Can you help me out with that? The, the one about marriage being between a oh, man, and a, man a and a woman. Yeah. It'll be very nice when I don't have to say those words. Yeah. How does that make you feel saying that? Oh, it, I feel morally, um, I'm, I'm pretty detested. But, yeah, I, I'm very um, serious when it comes to that point because I don't want to stuff up the words and I don't want to stutter. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and it's absolutely not about me. And yeah. I think the fact that I'm so, like, staunch about that, I've, I'm pretty effortless with how I work through that paragraph. Well, we have, we have, a, we have one more question sure. for you. And this is a standard question that we like to ask everyone. Okay. Um, which is knowing what you know now, what would you, what would you like to tell your 12-year-old self? Uh, improvement takes time and you always have to start from scratch. But if you apply yourself and, like, if passion is involved, then I think it's maybe just trusting in the process of of applying yourself and getting better and just keeping it simple. I love I like it. that. Keeping it simple, <laughs> Keep it simple with Sally and soon some Vietnamese food. I'm so yeah. let's eat. hungry. <laughs> Thanks, Sally. <laughs> Thanks, Sally. Time. Cheers. It's been lovely. Cheers. <laughs> cheers, cheers. How good was Sally? 
But how good was dinner? Except tofu four ways. Tofu four ways was troubling. Look, it, it was my first time. I think it might be my last. <laughs> Look, there were a few things we needed to catch up on after that interview. A bit of homework. Yeah, tell me You're a research homework. associate, aren't you, Laura? Oh, thanks. Okay. No worries. Maybe I am. So turmeric, what would you do with it? Well, the best I can come up with is a very yellow curry. <laughs> That's not a curry. How would you find room for all that curry? Would it smell? I think it would smell quite good. I think turmeric has a nice aroma, doesn't it? Well, you brought some of Sally's turmeric home. I brought home. it home. I Have thought you it... done anything with it? No. Did you make a curry? It might not have gotten out of the bag yet. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> Go and check that bag. All right, well, you were going to check out whether penalties count or not. <sighs> I consulted Google, Laura. Oh, very authoritative. It is the most authoritative source that I know. And uh, I'm embarrassed to say that I misled everyone. They don't count. I'm sorry, <laughs> Sally. I'm sorry, world that's listening to this. They do not count in a penalty shootout. So, yep. I was wrong. Well, that's I admit it. Super embarrassing and kind of a disappointing too for all those footballers out there who are counting their penalties towards their tally. Oh yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, I looked into something a little bit more interesting. Maybe actually, it wasn't more interesting. I just wanted to know where Leverkusen was. Okay, go on, go on. You just wanted to say Leverkusen again. Leverkusen, it's like the fourteenth time on this show. <laughs> Leverkusen. Where is it, Laura? Get to the point. It's in the west of Germany. It's close to the border of Belgium. Okay. If anyone wants to know, that's where it is. Yeah, great. So, so the other thing that I really wanted to address, though... Ooh, Tal. You, you said to Ma- address me? Yeah, I wanted to address you about something. This is okay. quite uncomfortable, okay. but I need to talk to you about marriage. Like, what... What it means what? to me? What do you mean? <laughs> I'm not proposing. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Your husband might have issues with that. <laughs> marriage. Why did you say marriage? You just said it twice. Three times. Clearly you don't have a problem with it. Look, Laura, I just have to tell all of the audience out there that you have been bringing this up with me daily. It's like hurt your feelings or something. But it comes from a movie, and I can't remember what movie, or it might be lying right now, my Pinocchio nose is growing. It is. Can you just come clean? Because you told me what movie it is. It comes from Princess Brides. I'm so embarrassed to say that. But (laughs) people just started saying marriage, and I copied them, and, you know, I never thought it was an issue until you raised it. It nearly ended there. Anyway. (laughs) I'm glad you came clean on that one. I hope that sorts it out for everyone else who's listening. <sighs> so can we just get off the subject of me for a second and yeah. tell people where they can find out more about our amazing podcast? Well, we have a website and yep. the website address is playitforwardpodcast.com.au and we also have a Twitter and handle. And what is that Twitter handle, Laura Douglas? Our Twitter handle is playitforwardpod, that's forward spelt F-W-D, and our Instagram handle is the same, playitforwardpod. So, yes, it's a bit different to the website. Yeah, sorry right. about that. Just sorry for any confusion there, but it just it's a bit of a smart test. Pass the smart test. Fun aside, though, Laura, there is a serious side to our podcast. Yeah, look, there was a bit of conversation there about eating disorders and body image, and if that's affecting you or someone you know, then we'd highly recommend you check out the Butterfly Foundation website. The address is butterflyfoundation.org.au. That's all from us. See ya.